Well, as you hi-fi, you can go ahead and sit down. And also want to join Pastor Josh to welcome you to the service in person and those online. We are so excited that Pastor Josh is settled here in Florida. He has a driver's license. I checked the last time. <laughs> and he's all wife and sons and daughter and actually his mom too. They are visiting. So his mom is visiting. So we're excited. Welcome, brother. And this is the family that, uh, that is here. Welcome, Journey, and all you you're doing for the kingdom here. And as we were going into this um, transitions, when um, Pastor Joel came here, that we all started to see changes needed to happen, changes with you, changes with me, changes in the last service. I used that title I used to have, and somebody said, you actually said it as a way it's ending. It ended. It ended uh, two months ago, interim. But we've seen changes that happened because of the situational changes, situational and transition is psychological. It gets our mind aligned with the scripture and with the Holy Spirit like we just experienced here. And so this is continuing to confirm us to what God really wants us. This is a new day at Northland and you are part of it. We want to thank you for the many ways God is engaging each one of you in the different areas he's calling. So the last two weeks, we saw about transitions, we saw about killer storms, we saw about the disciples with, with, with Jesus in the boat. You know, he's, he was the captain, even though they were going to forget that. But he was the captain before the storm, in the storm, through the storm, and oh Lord, over the storm. So Jesus is always going to lead us in this stormy transitions. We'll get on the other side because Jesus is there. And the week before, we were seeing the children of Israel as they were moving. They said, we can't. You know, in numbers, they can't. But Jesus says, he can. And so we trust him for all of that he brings together for us in his church. Today, we are continuing with this uh, series, Transitions from Loss to Gain. Transitions that can be stormy in the loss we have in our life, the losses we have, but the gain that we have there. So when we talk about these losses, we're, we're thinking here, where well, loss could mean anything that you get deprived from, anything that is taken away from, you lose it. It could be money, you know, we, you lose money in business, that's a loss. But also it could be, the, that's the physical loss, but also it could be in a physical loss, you may have lost your job, you may have lost your possession, you may have lost things that you are holding on to. So there's always a loss that we're going to feel. And in that same loss, we can feel loss in the family. You know, you can feel the loss that, you know, things are challenging with, with spouses, with children, with in-laws and grandparents and all of those. But you feel that if you lose these people, they move away from you. There's also going to be a gain. And if the, 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 the gain, let me also mention about loss in health. I just talked to a couple, you know, they said they went um, skating where, wherever we go to uh, seminar skater, and they, there's a loss there, you know, harm is all, yeah, I see you over there, but that's a loss of limitation in the business this week. But also there can be other health losses. You know, we've experienced that with my wife and I, we saw that loss. 
but it is also going to be a real spiritual loss. A spiritual loss could definitely attribute with my walking with Jesus, my path with Jesus. I'm not getting so engaged in the word, in prayer, in fellowship, in community. I'm not feeling that first love I used to have for Jesus. I lose something there, backsliding, and you're, you're going behind. It could be a loss that is not making you spiritually or emotionally happy. But it's not about your happiness. It's about the holiness that God can bring to you. Or maybe children, they are not walking with Jesus. You know, you carry that burden. Yes, that's, that's a spiritual loss. It could also be a spiritual loss. A church goes into decline and a church goes into all of these different struggles. But there's always going to be gain, an addition. A gain could be you are adding, you have an increase. We thank you, those of you who have been coming to present in our weekend worship. Yeah, there's an increase there. We want some more addition. That's a gain that we can see uh, spiritually and physically we're having. We want to look at the scriptures today. We're going to be in the book of Ruth. We're going to, to see how this woman, Naomi, went with loss to gain. And we're going to look at that story. And we want to look at that story because loss, uh, transitions can be awkward. But in, the, in that process, we'll be able to say, I lost this, but I gained this. So the book is set in the context of, of, the, of the book of Ruth. Is that we just finished the book of Judges. If you've read the last chapter, things are not going well. You know, there's a great confusion. So we come to this book that is written with the people of Israel settled in their land, but there are some difficulties they are facing. And so what I want to do, I'm just going to be concentrated on chapter 1 and chapter 4, with uh, Naomi being the, the, the main study. But I wanted to give a general overview of what this book is about, the book of Ruth. So my team members, they've, they've helped me put some, some things together that we'll look at. But before that, there's a scripture that Jesus had something to tell us about loss and gain. And so in the, in the book of Luke chapter 9 verse 25, Jesus had this to say, consider this as we follow Jesus, what he had to say about what we go through when we have loss and gain. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and lose or forfeit your very self? So in following Jesus, there are those weights we're going to go through. We're going to be looking at the balance. And so in the book of Ruth, we'll, we'll paint this picture so that we're able to see. So chapter 1. We see this book, uh, chapter 1, where it is set, and we start to see that it's about a family. So in chapter 1, we'll bring that slide up. In chapter 1, we're going to see disaster strikes. There's crisis, there's misfortune, things are not going well with a family. You read that in chapter 1. And so decision has to be made. Now we put there in the picture Bethlehem and Judah, that's where they were living. People of praise living in the, in the house of bread, Bethlehem, and they were Ephratites, they are fruitful people. But disaster strikes, Ruth makes a decision to, we'll see that in a few minutes. Chapter 2, we go to chapter 2, that there's an introduction that we see. That she goes into a field, gleaning in the field. This was a cultural practice where people would go into the field and the 25% or so that was left behind, they would gather it, they would be gleaning and then they would show kindness, we'll see that. But that's where we, we are introduced to Boaz. Boaz intervened because 
he sees this foreigner and he wants to be able to say, what can I do that's the right thing to do? And then we head to chapter three. In chapter three, Naomi is going to put a plan together. Now, this is the main character in the story for us this morning. She has a plan that is going to be dealing with redemption, buyback, to rescue, to restore. So she puts the plan together, and Ruth is going to offer and to fulfill that plan. And then finally, in chapter 4, what we see in chapter 4, Boaz becomes the kinsman redeemer. That also was a cultural practice that somebody has to buy back, somebody has to rescue that we belong to his brother. And then we see the blessing that God has for them and for us. So with that, I'm just going to read 18 verses. If you please start as I read the word here in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 to 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of the two sons were Melon and Kilon. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, big loss, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Opah and the other named Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Melon and Kilon also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Bethlehem that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. And with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept loudly and said to her, we will go back, we will go, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who will become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. And they wept loudly again and Oprah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. 
if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Holy Spirit, come now and take your word, and may we hear your word and understand, and may we apply this to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So let me give you the main point. No, Pastor Josh has been teaching us that you get the main point that we're about here. And this is the main point for this message. In life, loss is inevitable. But if we surrender to the Redeemer, our losses can be transformed into gains. Every one of us, we experience loss. You're going through it now. You may have been going through it before. It's coming. It will come if it's not yet there. We're all going to experience loss in life. But during that time, God calls us to surrender to the one who've gone through loss, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ himself. God is sovereign in all that he does. So he wants us to be able to say, surrender to me in your loss, and you will see the gain that will be physical or spiritual or even um, a way that it will bring transformation. So we're going to look at a couple of points, seven points we're going to look at uh, to see loss and gain. The first one is loss can lead us towards those outside our faith. Loss can lead us to those outside our faith. We see that in the text here, that famine is in Bethlehem. The house of bread, no bread, and there's famine, and they've not obeyed um, God, or there's drought, something has gone wrong that these fruitful people are now fruitless. And so the loss is sending them over to Moab. You know, they crossed over and they, and they went east. I think Pastor Rob said the last time, every time you're going east, you're going backwards. But they were supposed to be living in the western side of the Jordan River. And so they go out to Moab. The Moabites were people who were their enemies. When the land was divided, when Joshua led into possessing and distributing the land, we don't hear about the Moabites because these were enemies of the Jews. These were people who did not live together with them. So they were living, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Perizzites, all of those people living there, they were not included. But God sends them out there because of the famine. God is going to use every situation to, to send us, to put us in places that we don't think we have to be. And that it will sometimes be those who are different from us, it will sometimes be a situation I don't want. It could be even your direct family, indirect family, or countries or nations. God will send us to people who are different from us. Because that is the way we see the gospel to go out. Right there in sending them to people who are not included, it's God is saying, you should be my witnesses, you should be my testimony, you should be my light, and you should be the salt in, the, in, in wherever I called you. Have you ever considered the situations you find yourself in now that you think it's a loss, but consider why God has put you there? Why God has considered that in this loss, I want you to experience the good news, the gospel from people far away, different, foreign. You know, I just thought of a story I'll give you here. But one of the things I found out how God puts us in a situation, because we have some friends visiting in Egypt, I always tell them I've been to Egypt two and a half times. 
You know, I went there the first time. Oh, I felt I was well received on the sports. I took my wife. My children were all there. Well, the time I took the children's ministry, 16 team members, time out. I was the only one sent back. I couldn't leave the airport. But you know, that was a big loss for me. But that loss gave us a game that right here at this church, we have an Arabic speaking Egyptians who worship. So that was my loss, that was my game. So I get to my second point. Loss brings grief. We see here with Naomi that she is really grieving this loss. You know, one famine, now three funerals, three burial places in Moab. This woman is lonely, she's dejected. And what are we going to see? How does she handle her loss? Husband died, sons died, now you're left, uh, three widows are there. What are they, how are they going to handle this? So she wants to return back to Bethlehem, the house of bread. And she doesn't even want to bring her daughters-in-law. That is a really mourning the loss. She's depressed. There's difficulty. There's challenge. She couldn't stand it. She's mourning the loss. And we know that when you, when you have grief, mourn the loss. We see in the scripture here that they wept aloud and said, go back. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in community with you. Sometimes our losses can point to some deep things that God wants us to reveal that we need to leave behind. You know, we cry when we go through loss. You know, my wife and I, we've been on, on this side uh, of the Atlantic Ocean for the many years. So we've lost all our parents while here. But we still remember the one in 1988 who were living over there in Jackson, Mississippi, going to school. And so my, my, my study guys came over to, to the study room. Your wife, Bill said, your wife is just yelling. She's something gone wrong. Because she was mourning a deep loss. Because we cry, we wail, we yell, we mourn. But that was a way of expressing. And we see that here with Ruth and, and Naomi. She is really feeling this loss. She wants to go. She even says, change my name. You know, sometimes when you're grieving the loss, you just want to cut off something. Said, my name is not pleasant. Which I name? My name is Peter. The Lord has not been good to me. I don't want to be part of this. What is the loss that you are holding on to? Some of us in this room, I see my brother over there, we've had many times to grieve the loss of your spouse, your children, right in this room, or some of you online in the hospital, we've been able to grieve those losses, and we mourn it. But what is God asking us that in this loss, will you make it an opportunity to see the gospel? And we see Naomi here, she was able to look at this grief, to mourn it, and leave it behind. Don't hold on to it. Well, this is what I'm losing. I want my church. I want my person. But let it go and see how God can use it. The third thing we see that lots can produce both compassion and kindness. So lost these daughters, uh, uh, law in that one has gone back. But here's what she said to them in chapter 1. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. So that was a way that even in this loss, she can acknowledge, she can agree, she can establish it that, yes, you've been kind to me, you married my sons, and now I realize I need you because you cannot be alone. 
That's what we like to do in laws. We want to be alone. But kindness was demonstrated. The word kindness is a theme that goes throughout this book of, of Ruth, that you will see kindness here. And the kindness where she's expressing here is from the loyal Ruth. Ruth was so loyal to her, she experienced kindness. In chapter 2, you also see that kindness was shown by people who were different, who were in the fields of Boaz, and then we'll see a climax of that kindness. But he also brings compassion. The compassion is feeling some sorry and doing something about it. Because every time you see that you are losing something, look for the windows that God will open for you where you will be able to build compassion and kindness. Compassion, you feel sorry about something, but you don't just let it go. That's pity. But compassion is, I feel sorry, and I do something about it. So we see that that was being produced out of this loss. It's your loss you're grieving, bringing compassion. Are you considering, who is in my family? Who is my place of work? Who is in my neighborhood? Who is in my network of relationship that needs hesed? That's the Hebrew word they call kindness today. Is there somebody that I feel sorry for? I just see them from distance. Oh, may that loss of relationships and connections be turned into gaining kindness, compassion, because that's what God we want us to do in our loss. Fourthly, loss can help strengthen commitments and build community. But we see that in the scripture that they had community when they left Bethlehem and they came over to Moab. But what do we see that? There's now a community here. But Ruth is going along with his mother-in-law, Naomi. And how do we know that there's a commitment that is made? Number one, the commitment was Naomi had decided I will return to Bethlehem, the house of bread, because it was harvest time. So she will return to Bethlehem, harvest time. So she made that commitment. But we see in these verses, which many people like to read from this book at weddings, and when Naomi, uh, Ruth said to her, I will go with you, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be, will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and, where, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, if ever. I separate myself. That's a call of commitment. Ruth is making a declaration to Naomi and say, yes, she needed that. This mother lost husband and sons and now one daughter-in-law is gone. She needed somebody who would make a declaration and a commitment to be with her. And so she comes into, into the city of Bethlehem. There's another commitment and declaration. It was like a welcome. So the two, the, so the two women... They arrive in Bethlehem, and the other women says, is this Naomi? It may sound negative, you know, say, is this Naomi? But what they're really saying that, we knew who you were when you were here. You went away, you come back. We want, to, we want to embrace you in the community. And the other two chapters, two and three, clearly show how Naomi experienced community from Boaz, who is going to be the kinsman redeemer. She saw commitment of him to provide for them. We'll hear about that in a minute. To provide for them, but we also saw the commitment he had that I will see that you guys get taken care of. I'll see your rescue. I will see that you are restored. And fifthly, we see loss can make way for honor and respect. 
Well, in this culture, or even today, if you lose your husband, you don't have somebody who provide uh, security, or somebody who will be there for you, your protection, your provision will not be there. But the respect was shown by how she was received back in Bethlehem. In chapter 2, we also see that there was respect and honor. When Ruth goes to the field that she's going to glean from, she saw that the workers and even Boaz showed respect to her and honor her. That you're not just a foreigner, you're not just different, you've come from far away, but there was honor. There was honor and respect even with Boaz. So they had this thing they called the kinsman redeemer. So your brother had a wife, he died, no child, the other brother should, should marry. And but Boaz realized that, man, I can do this. I meet the three requirements. I'm the nearest relative, I am willing, and I can afford it. But the respect and honor that Boaz was showing was this. He went to the person who had the first right of refusal and told him, you can redeem Ruth and Naomi together. And the guy said, well, no, I can't. So there was a respect and honor. And Boaz did that in the presence of all his leaders. He called all the elders together, like their city council, and said, this is what I'm about to do. But he was showing honor and respect to Naomi and the one he has brought and his commu community. The sixth thing we see here, loss can result in love and joy. This is one of the main themes in the book that takes us to chapter 4. We can see the romance. You know, some have written commentaries on the book of Ruth. It's about romance. In chapter 4, we start to see how love is there. And what is this love we see? Boaz decided that he will buy the land from Naomi and he will also require Ruth. So once he had the permission, the love and respect, now he's going to fall in love with this young lady. And the Bible tells us, yeah, this, the guardian redeemer, he was the one who would go ahead and redeem um, Naomi and Ruth. And so they fall in love, and now it's a wedding. So we've gone from a famine, we've gone to a funeral, and now it's a festive time of seeing love and joy. This was not only for Boaz, who had stepped out to be the kinsman redeemer to rescue, but for Naomi, the woman who has lost everything, this was a joyful moment. She came back to Bethlehem, nothing, no grandchildren, nothing. And what is the joy that she sees? She gets this from, from the others. She gets it from Boaz, but she gets it from the woman. The women said, they said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your, daughters, for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given birth. Love, a baby is born. So that's what we see here, that there's love and joy not only from the community of people they've built with, not only from the commitments they've had through this loss, but there's now love and joy. And she's gaining a grandson. And the Bible tells us the love and joy is a grandson that when Ruth married Boaz, they had the son, they named him Obed, which means servant. He's going to be a servant, and we'll see how that loss, number seven, we'll see how that loss makes redemption possible. Well, what is the redemption that is possible here? Well, from verse 18 to the end, you know, it tells us that now that 
Naomi and Ruth have been redeemed, have been rescued, have been provided, and will be protected for. Now we see that there's more in the line of their story. Remember, this is a Moabite, a foreign, a faraway woman, who now God is going to use. So we read that this then is the family line of Perez. You can go back to Genesis and see how the family line was, was working. And Perez was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse. And Jesse was the father of David. That's how the redemption comes. And this is in the line of Jesus. So when we see loss, always thinks about the Redeemer. If we only surrender to the Redeemer, we'll be in line with him. And this is the message in the book of Ruth. Loss, transitions in loss, will bring us again in Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. He, if you read in Matthew, Jesus is the one who came and he died for us. Jesus is the one who stood in our place, who will lose his life for you and I to gain life eternal. That message is what we should be declaring to people who are far away. Because we have a redeemer that the world needs to know, that the world needs to be restored, that the world, world needs to be rescued to. This is the redeemer. Do you tell the message of the redeemer in your loss? I close with the story that a couple of years ago that really um, embraced me. And this is a story when you're in college, first year, college students, high school students. You have to read these biographies. And this one we had to read was Through Gates of Splendor. And this had the story that he was telling about three guys who'd been to college, and one of them went to Wheaton College. They bond together that they'll be missionaries. This is about 70 years ago, just at the end of uh, World War II. They decided that there were a group of people, the, the Aqua Indians in Ecuador, that they had to reach them for Jesus. If they didn't reach them for Jesus, some people were going to wipe them out. So these men, they married with their wives, they went down to Ecuador in the jungle, in the Amazon jungle, showing love and kindness and hesed to these people, providing for them, and there were a couple of encounters. But these were very people that were primitive. And these men, the day came, they thought they were having a close encounter with these guys. And there were three guys, Jim Elliott, Ed, Roger, Pete Fleming, the pilot, and Nate Saint, the pilot. And these guys thought they would make a headway. All four of those guys were martyred. They were killed. That was a huge loss to their wives, their family members, the mission agency, and to the world. And so those wives came back to the United States with deep commitment and remarried, but they decided to reach this tribe. They decided we'll make this again. And a couple of years back at the Baptist Church in Winter Park, we were invited to go watch the movie that they had made that told the story. But it was not so much now about uh, Jim Elliott and Nate Saints, but to watch that story was to meet a man whose father, down the line, his grandparents, his grandparents was one of those that speared one of these guys and killed them. But he had come, the gospel had redeemed him, and now he was building a church there. He was declaring Jesus. And we had the opportunity to meet him right there as we were previewing this movie. And Jim Elliott is noted for this saying. Some of you have heard it, you read it, and people will say what he said. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We all go through losses. 
Is the loss leading you to people different and far away to engage them? Will this summer be a breakthrough? Will this summer be a time you're going to mourn and grieve over the loss? Your spiritual and physical loss? Will this be a time that you build commitments and communities? Will this be a time that you will point to the Redeemer? The Redeemer has come to make every loss again. How painful it is. So as we listen to the song that is going to be played and sung, let's think about the Redeemer, that this Redeemer who came. And let's make a commitment that I will live for this Redeemer. I want to go out and tell others about Jesus, the Redeemer, that gains everything for us. Listen as we hear the song. 